Good morning, everyone. It's a pretty unique day to be preaching. I get the blessing of preaching on Sheep Day uh, and uh, seeing those two cute little fellas. So, like Dave said, like, that's us. You know, like, God didn't make us an eagle or whatever, or uh, like something powerful. I mean, I'm sure they're somewhat powerful, but we're sheep. We're like fluffy little sheep who are, eh, in more ways than not, helpless to God, and we need him in so many ways. So we're going to look at Psalm 23 in a little bit of detail here. Um, but I do want to say right off the bat, Psalm 23 is so rich, like many of the scriptures, that uh, I could probably make this like a three or four or five hour sermon if I really wanted to. And I know you don't want me to. I know the Pats are playing later. So, um, but we'll keep it short. But man, this is a jam-packed sermon. So I'm going to say as much as I can. There's sort of different perspectives that you can take on the sermon. Um, like that, that book we've been talking about, uh, uh, Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23, he's looking at it through the lens of a shepherd, and he can give you the deep details of how a shepherd looks at this psalm and says, yeah, I know exactly what that's like. However, I'm not a shepherd, so I'll give you a slightly different perspective. But there is a messianic perspective to be taken uh, with this psalm to understand Jesus better. We'll touch on that a little bit, but I probably won't have enough time to go into too much detail with it. But this is a psalm of David, says right there in the beginning, the heading is a psalm of David like many of the psalms are. David himself was a shepherd before he was King David and sort of shepherd over Israel. He was shepherd over his father's flock. And that's where we find David when, when Samuel comes and anoints David and makes him king. He's taking care of his father's flock, and so he knows exactly what he's talking about. Um, and tradition tells us that David wrote this psalm when he was on the run from King Saul. I don't know if you remember that story, but King Saul was after David. He wanted him dead. It's kind of a long story, but he's running in the wilderness, afraid for his life. And this is actually where we find many of the Psalms written. David, in fear of his life, like genuinely thinking he might die at any minute, and he's sitting down writing some beautiful poems glorifying God. This Psalm definitely glorifies God, but he also sees God as his help in his greatest time of need. So try to keep all of that in mind. I know there's a lot there. But the psalm starts out by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, so, and I'm also trying to keep in mind that we've read this probably a million times by now, so I want to give it some new life and, and sort of refresh it for us and make us see it in a new way. So the Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. Now, the Lord there is the great I am. It's not just Adonai. It's not like the, the Lord, like my master. It's it's Yahweh, you know, Jehovah is my shepherd, right? And there's something special and unique about that. It's our God is our shepherd. It's not just any old Lord. It's the Lord, the I am is our shepherd. Um, and I could, I could spend time talking about what it means to be a shepherd, but I encourage you to read that book and see it from a shepherd himself. Um, but he says, I shall not want. Now, this is sort of the opening of the psalm itself. And Mind you, this is a poem, so think about this in not literal terms necessarily, because we're not literally sheep, are we? No, we are humans, and we need to make that distinction. But I shall not want could mean one of two things, right? It could mean that God has provided everything that I could possibly need, and therefore I, I won't want anything. But I feel like that's not quite true to life, is it? I mean, you have wants, I'm sure I have wants that God does not give me, and I'm sitting here praying, God, please, please give me a better job. I do pest control for a living. Like, uh, Believe me, I've prayed that prayer. 
Um, but I am, I am where I am right now. And, and so I pray for a new job. I know many of you might pray for a spouse. You might pray for a new house, whatever. Um, there's lots of wants that we have. So I almost wonder if the interpretation isn't that God has provided everything that we could possibly want. No, the I shall not want means I'm going to make a decision to physically not want those things that the Lord has not given me. It's, it's like a, a mode that we have to get ourselves in, recognizing that God is our provider. And if he hasn't given it, you probably don't need it. And we can pray and ask for new things, and God will certainly continue to bless you in new ways, giving you a spouse and giving you a new job. But we do have to have this mode of, I shall not want. Like, I will not be in want when God hasn't given it to me. That's, you know, we can turn that into lust and envy and covetousness, and the Bible speaks against those things, right? So don't do that. Um, I shall not want could also mean that God has provided everything in such a way that even when you think you want this thing, there's a really good reason why God hasn't given you that thing, at least yet. We have to be mindful that God sees all the stuff that we don't see. So before I spend too much time on that, he makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm going to kind of just go through the whole psalm. He makes me lie down in green pastures. That was a really unique part of the book that stood out to me because the shepherd said that there are four parameters under which a sheep will lie down. And if, they don't, if these parameters aren't met, a sheep will not lie down. He said sheep need to be well fed. That makes sense. Sheep um, get plagued with these, like, bot flies that infest their nose, and it's horrible and torturous, and the, if they're not taken care of, they will not lie down. They need to be well watered, and, and so there are these four parameters. I probably don't know them all quite right, but, but read that book. It really is a good book. Um, I actually just listened to the audio version, so if you want to do it that way, too, that's great, but... God will meet our needs. We have, and we're all unique individuals. We, like your needs aren't my needs and vice versa. And we're all different in so many ways that we have different needs. But God will provide your needs. That kind of goes back to the I shall not want thing. See, it all kind of ties together. God will provide your needs to make you rest when it's a time of rest. He'll make you lie down. Excuse me. He'll make you lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. Again, this is sort of goes hand in hand. He'll make you lie down in green pastures and drink by the still waters. But I want to be a little bit nitpicky here for a minute. Because you don't want to drink from still waters, right? Like, like stagnant waters. Like that's where mosquitoes lay all their larvae. That's the algae grow. If, if waters are truly still waters, like don't drink from those waters. And so I want to make this distinction because what David is actually saying here, if you looked at the Hebrew, the words are reversed. He makes me drink, or sorry, he leads me by waters of stillness. That's a different thing, right? They're not stagnant waters that are infested and gross and you shouldn't drink. No, they are waters of stillness, waters of tranquility. They're running waters, so it's safe to drink from, but it's not the rushing rapids that are dangerous. You know, picture a shepherd leading a sheep to a river, and it's just like white rapids, and a sheep falls in and gets smashed to bits against the rocks. <laughs> right? Yikes. That's not the type of waters God leads us to. And if you find yourself there, you probably took a wrong turn at some point, right? <laughs> if, you, if your life is so chaotic that you are being beaten against the rocks and just flying down the river of life, and that, what's, that's what it feels like sometimes, yeah, you need to get right with God and just recenter yourself and get a little help from your friends, maybe. Um, 
because God will lead us by waters of tranquility where we can rest and lie down and sip and enjoy with our fellow sheep. And in this way, again, each one leads to the next. I think he restores my soul. Now picture you've laid down, you're well fed, you've been grazing, you're drinking water, and now your soul is restored. You are revitalized, right? But I do want to, again, make a distinction that a soul in biblical terms isn't just the, the ghost in the machine. It's not just your spiritual self that God is concerned with. God is concerned with every part of you. A soul in biblical term, in Hebrew here, the way David's using it could also be translated as your life, like your entire self. It's your whole being. God restores your entire being. He's not just concerned with giving you spiritual rest and giving you what you need spiritually. He will provide you what, with what you need physically. And he is concerned with your physical self. I mean, let's be honest. The Bible talks at length in the New Testament about a physical resurrection from the dead. You know, not just Jesus' resurrection. He's the first fruits from the grave. But Paul makes it clear that there will be a physical resurrection from the dead. God very much cares for this this flesh thing that we carry with us. I could go on and on about that. Again, this psalm is so rich, I, I could just preach way too long. But he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this is an interesting one. And again, a shepherd could say it differently than I'm about to. But to me, this is where we tie in to our missional push that we've been having in this church. We've been, I mean, this sermon itself is smack dab in the middle of a Dave's sermon series about missional communities and going out into the world and, and all that good stuff. Well, God leads us in paths of righteousness. I want to break that down a little bit because let's focus in on that word righteousness. What is righteousness, biblically speaking? You hear the word righteousness more often than not tied with justice. Righteousness and justice, justice and righteousness. Um, the Hebrew is mishpat and tzedakah. So David's using the word tzedakah here, which when you hear that word, you picture like a balance. You know, when you, when you go pay for something, you get your, you know, shekels of silver and you put it on the balance and I put my way. So righteousness, biblically speaking, is when things are done properly and it's weighed correctly, if that makes sense, right? So that's righteousness. And you see this used in reference to take care of the orphans and the widows, you know, take care and, and help the blind and feed the sick. And, you know, the Bible says this over and over ad nauseum, doesn't it? Right? So the Bible commands that we need to take care of the least of these. And that's the righteous path that God leads us down. It's not just our own righteousness that's good. It's actually doing justice out in the world. And that's what our church is all about at the moment. So I quite like that. Um, I actually want to flip out of Psalm 23 just for a minute to go to Matthew 25. You can flip there with me if you like. You don't have to if you don't want to. But Matthew 25, verse 31, hits, this, hits the same note so well. It's, it's almost shocking the way the Bible does this sometimes. God in his, God in his omniscience knew how to crowd. Like David wrote this thousands of years prior, and now you have Jesus saying basically the same stuff. Okay, so Matthew 25, verse 31 and on talks about sheep. It talks about righteousness, doing what's good. And without further ado, I'll just read it, uh, Jesus' own words here. When the Son of Man, that's Jesus, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. So there's king language here. There's also lots of kingly, Messiah-like language in Psalm 23, and we'll touch on that. But before him, Jesus will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
we're going to talk a little bit later in Psalm 23, where it, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, right? That line. The, the, the way the, the author of the book talks about it is, you know, shepherds have the shepherd's crook, and when you lambs are giving birth, or, yeah, when ewes are giving birth, they take the lamb and separate them, and it's, the shepherd's crook is actually a tool of separating and moving the sheep around gently and, and much more, but um, so this is the, sort of the picture we have here. Before him gathered all the nations, he separates the sheep from the goats. Now, we've been saying all morning and for the past who knows how long that we're sheep. If we're sheep, we should not be goats. There's a distinction here, and Jesus makes it very clear what the difference is. So find yourself in this passage. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you in the foundation of the world. Uh, from the foundation. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous, the sheep on his right hand, will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison to visit you? And the king, Jesus, will answer them, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did it to, the, to, to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So talk about missions. We are to go out and minister to the least of these, the sick, the imprisoned, the na- all that. And that's what makes a sheep, really. We're like, well, this is sheep day. What is a sheep? Well, a sheep for us is those who go out and do and minister in this way. I'll say more as we flip back to Psalm 23, but he goes on to say, then he will say to those on his left, the goats, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For, if I, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger? Then the Lord will answer, truly, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There you go, right? Like, wow. So, so talk about missions, right? I'm going to go back over to Psalm 23. But the, the way that those two passages tie together couldn't be any more clear. I don't think I really need to speak on it too much. Um, if you want to be a sheep, do righteousness and justice. God will lead you in those paths as he is this church. He's leading us in paths of righteousness right now. Missional communities, going out and finding these areas of need, do that. Now, we're going to make a little bit of a shift in the psalm here because David so far has been saying... He makes me lie down, and he leads me by still water. He restores my soul. So God is telling, or David is telling us how good his God is, his shepherd. And he's been talking about God in the third person. Now David turns his attention from us, the hearer, and speaks to God directly and says, you, 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 and I want to make this all the more personal now from here on out. And in verse 4, that very famous verse, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, 
Because of that, and because of verse 6, this gets read in funeral services all the time, right? You've probably been to a funeral and they read Psalm 23, and that's great. It's definitely relevant, but there's more ways to, it doesn't just apply to funerals. It applies to the living too, um, and I want to make that very clear. So even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So there's, there's kind of a lot of words there, isn't it? I want to point out that in Hebrew, there's about half as many words, if that, in, in, in Hebrew, in the original language, than there are in English. There's like 23 words to this psalm. And so you get situations like this, the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death. That shadow of death is all one word, and the word death isn't really built in the way that you might expect, the way it's translated. The translation really comes from King James, and that sort of bled into modern translations. But any rabbi will tell you that another way to look at this is the valley of the darkest, deepest shadows, the deepest, dark, blackest shadows, the valley that has such dark shadows that you are in utter despair. And note that David says he leads me through them. So when it's read in a funeral setting, you say, God will lead us through death to eternal life. Amen, hallelujah. That's true. But God will also lead us through our deepest, darkest shadows, even in this life, right? He'll lead us through. Have faith. But think about this missionally. We are to be led through and find the deepest, darkest shadows, the valleys of the shadow of death in our communities. Think about that. <laughs> now, this isn't me, so I'm not patting myself on the back, but that's a pretty profound idea, isn't it? When, when we are led as missionaries out into the world, and we are right now, we are to go into the, the valleys of the darkest shadows in our communities, and they're there. Some of you might live there, and you are a light there continually, and you're blessed for that. I want to encourage you in that. But as missionaries for this church, we are meant to be led through the valley of the darkest shadows, even now. That's what our mission is. Think about the least of these. Think about the orphans and the widows the Bible talks so much about. We're there for them. And so we will fear no evil, right? That's good. That's self-explanatory. For God is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I alluded to that, right? So your rod and your staff comforting me. There's that shepherd's crook that leads us and guides us and separates us from the goats. That's really cool. But the rod, according to the shepherd who wrote this really cool book that we're all recommending you read, um, that rod is a weapon to use against our enemies. When lions and bears and all these evil beings, I suppose, uh, approach the sheep to devour us, our shepherd has a rod to protect us. God is not just a God of peace and love. He's a God of war, dare I say it, yeah. Uh, when the Bible talks about God as the Lord of hosts, that is war language. That, that's like a chief type of language. Um, so God is our God of war when we are in need and we're his sheep. And God leads his people through war in the Bible. That's a real part of God's nature. You have to come to grips with that. And so God uses his rod to protect us, and that comforts us. We feel safe under God's protection, and we ought to. Um, I could say so much more about that, but let's keep moving. They comfort us. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Now, the author of the book, he wants to fit this into the sheep metaphor, but I think, I think this says a lot in David's life as well. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. King David literally sat at table with King Saul, his greatest enemy, who literally wanted him dead. He, he, he 
lived in his house and ate at his table all the time. God literally, and this is no longer just poetry and metaphor and ideas here. God prepares a table before David in the presence of his enemies and kept David safe. In the same way, God will keep us safe and protect us as his helpless sheep. I think that's powerful enough. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. These verses, again, the, the, the book has a beautiful way of talking about them. But the anointing my head with oil, like I said, that's king language. There's a lot of king language. If we could go back through this whole psalm and read it through the perspective of David as king and Jesus as king. But anointing my head with oil, when, when we, again, like I said at the beginning, when we met David, he was a shepherd of his father's flock. And uh, Samuel came and took David and said, I'm going to anoint you. You're going to be king of Israel now, not this corrupt king Saul. But so David was literally anointed with oil. That's the ceremony of becoming king. Um, and we see Jesus anointed in the same way. He's both baptized and anointed with oil in the Gospels. And so that's what it means to become a king over God's people. You need to be anointed with oil. Now, why am I, why am I going on about this? This is really important for us because the word anointed here is where we get the word Messiah. And Messiah is where we get the word Christ, and Christ is where we, where we get the word Christians. So this, this, in a way, this whole day, the sheep day, is, is about our identity as sheep, right? We are sheep, but your identity, you self-identify as Christians, many of you. If you are a Christian, you are under the rule of the king, Christ the king, right? Christ means anointed one, Messiah is anointed one. That's actually the word David's using here. When you anoint with oil, that's Messiah-ing someone. I don't know if you knew that. It's, it's important to know because that's your identity. You're under the authority of the king. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Yeah, that's a good verse too, isn't it? I don't need to explain that too much, but um, like we said earlier, who was saying, I think Sally said, took, took the wind out of my sails a little bit. Goodness and mercy will follow me Think about it missionally, right? Okay, well, as missionaries now in this time, goodness and mercy need to follow us. As we go through the valley of the darkest shadows, goodness and mercy will follow to those we minister to. I think in a very real way, that's what David meant, um, that David was supposed to bring goodness and mercy, not just receive goodness and mercy, um, because that's, that's the job of a king. And in, in a way, I mean, the Bible talks about us as princes and princesses in the kingdom of God and having the co-heirship with Christ. So goodness and mercy shall follow you. That's your responsibility now as a Christian. You have responsibility. It's not just all blessings and goodness. We need to do. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever, right? So that's, the, that's our finishing line. And that's, again, very relevant in a funeral setting. You know, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, but I was reminded of the passage, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The home, the house of the Lord is in us, should we love Jesus and keep his commandments, that's what he says. So we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that doesn't just mean heaven, heaven's great, we're all looking forward to heaven, but we're alive here and now. You know, some are older than others, and so you, you never know when God's going to take us. And, I, you know, you don't know when heaven is, is a step away, sure. But 
we will dwell in the house of the Lord now. And again, this reminds me of, um, of the Lord's prayer when he says, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, right? Like, your kingdom should be on earth. And so when we dwell in the house of the Lord, maybe we can find a way to do that now. And what missions is, if I can speak one last word to missions, what missions is is making, creating little pockets of heaven here on earth. So the house of the Lord, where is it? It's with you. If you love Jesus and keep his commandments. Now you are a sheep, you are under God's comforting hand, and he will help you and he will defeat your enemies, all that good stuff. Read through this psalm. If you've already read it a hundred times, read it a hundred more. It is an endless wealth of blessing and truth. Just go out knowing that God is for you and he comforts you and loves you. So I'll call the worship team up. I've said pretty much all I need to say. I'm going to pray to our God. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for my opportunity to speak these words through your scriptures. Um, I pray that we are reminded of these, these truths as we go throughout our week and months and as we go into this season of missions as a church, may we be fully aware that you've called us to the darkest, scariest places and not just places where it's convenient to serve. We need to serve when it's horribly inconvenient. But God, we give it all to you and trust that you will provide whatever we need to serve and to survive this crazy world. God, be with us. And may, may we minister to each other and love each other and form a great family here as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.